Good morning, you're listening to The Vulture's Nest on 2SER, your weekly cultural criticism show. My name is Fiona Pepper and joining me in the nest this morning are fellow vultures Nick Healy. Hello. Jen Carnavale. <laughs> Hi. And Jesse Keith. Good morning, Fee. Good morning. Now, drinking alcohol in the morning, why is it such a cultural faux pas and does it really matter what time of the day it is? <laughs> but first, freedom of speech and where do we draw the line? This is in light of this week's petition calling for American actor and Gamergate supporter Adam Baldwin's invitation to the Supernova Pop Culture Expo to be revoked. Jen, help us out. What is the Supernova Pop Culture Expo? What is Gamergate? And who is Adam Baldwin? That's the question I had to first ask. Who is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Adam Baldwin, he's an American actor. He's best known for his role on Firefly playing uh, Jane Cobb. And basically, Gamergate was a hashtag he started on Twitter in August 2014. The original intention was apparently to bring light to some of the corruption that was happening within the gaming industry. Gamergate say that they were primarily concerned with ethical issues in gaming journalism. Stuff like, you know, developers dating reviewers, dodgy things like that. Regardless of what its original intentions were, it quickly turned into a huge online debate about sexism in the gaming industry, resulting in harassment and threats of violence to female gaming programmers. Baldwin then took to Twitter again and just pushed the abuse up another level by doxing two female gaming developers, Zoe Quinn and Brianna Wu. Doxing we discussed last week. It's basically revealing incredibly personal information about someone, your home address, your mobile, your bank accounts, everything. This resulted in such horrific um, harassment and abuse that Brianna Wu was forced to move out of her home. She said, I was literally watching the chat room as the site posted my address and the conversation moved to places that threatened my personal safety. I made the decision to leave. The law enforcement said it was reasonable. I basically just left the house. I have no idea where I'll be living this week or even next month. Zoe Quinn's ex-boyfriend, Aaron Joni, um, also has gone public with really personal exchanges between the two, making loads of false statements about Quinn and just fueling the fire of abuse. So now, what does all of that have to do with Supernova? Well, Supernova's been around since 2000, and as they describe themselves, it's a wonderful world of comic books, animation, cartoons, sci-fi, pulp TV, movies, toys, console gaming, trading cards, it goes on, fantasy, entertainment technology, books, internet sites, fan clubs. This results in an amazing atmosphere tailor-made for expressing your inner geek. And we're getting into cosplay is the obvious thing to do. It's Comic-Con Australian style. Now, Adam Baldwin is booked to appear at Supernova this year. And since that announcement, petitions to revoke his invite have been exploding. In response to this, Baldwin has said the petition is built on lies and perhaps violates the Australian Defamation Act. Supernova are sitting on the fence. They're yet to respond either way. And they've said, while we wish Adam Baldwin's attendance in Supernova in Sydney and Perth this June wasn't a controversial issue, it clearly is. And the reasons why are now understood. We ask for your patience and understanding while we deal with the developments. Regardless of what the ultimate outcome is, please know that we 100% agree with your right as our fans to have your say, to share your feelings and to create or sign petitions in positive or negative. It is your voice that makes us who we are. So like they just said, 100% agree with your right as our fans to have your say or to share your feelings. 
Is this the problem? Is this how it all started? Because that's what Adam was doing. He was 100% sharing his feelings. Nick, what do you think? Look, it may have begun that way for Mr Baldwin, but it hasn't remained that way. The minute something happens like doxing, like that public information being made available, it goes beyond someone just having an opinion. There is a conversation to be had about ethics in gaming journalism. I have edited multiple gaming magazines. I still dip my toe in gaming journalism. There are big conversations to be had. None of them are being had by Gamergators. And none of them, I imagine, are going to be had on Twitter. Not well. <laughs> absolutely not well. Look, it's, it's been horrible to watch this explode. And a lot of people sit around going, mm, well, you know, there's two sides to this story. And not everyone comes off looking good. And my view is, no, there's Gamergate and then there's harassed women. Right. And they're the only two damn sides. But I think the argument is as well... Freedom of speech can, but isn't Adam allowed to say this? Isn't he allowed to just create a hashtag? And once it's out there, he doesn't really know which way it will go. I mean, I think the doxing is totally insane and there should be laws that prevent that. But if all he'd done was say, mm, Gamergate, that could be an interesting hashtag and it rolled from there, that would be one thing. But he's clearly directing it and dipping his toe in the water and really. He's still involved with it. Mm. Nick, um, what, Brianna Wu, one of the game developers that you mentioned before, Jen, she tweeted something that I thought was a very succinct response to the reason he shouldn't be attending Supernova. She said, something geek culture is struggling with is making the culture open to women. I think Adam Baldwin is the ap- absolute opposite of that goal. And, you know, so his exclusion from Supernova sort of seems okay. Um, but, but yeah, the problem is why isn't something like doxing illegal, you know, and, and then we wouldn't be kind of like, oh, freedom of speech, we're dancing around. He shouldn't, you know, we'll, we'll punish him for doxing, uh, by, by not letting him go to supernova as opposed to, you know, you just shouldn't be allowed to publish people's personal details. The law has always really dragged behind what you can actually do in kind of modern communication ages. It always will, I think, because no one really knows how to go. And also, where would it be illegal? Is it illegal in Australia, illegal in the US where he did it? If it was only illegal in the US where he did it, why should Australia have an issue with it? There's a lot of problems around saying, let's make this sort of thing illegal, even though I utterly agree with you on certain levels. The thing with Supernova is... There's been a long talk for a long time about making sure that these sort of fan con spaces are safe spaces for females. And this sends a message that, no, maybe they're not. But don't you just send security staff to Supernova Expo? Yeah, of course you do, but it's not about just security. It's about people not feeling Mm. that, you know, they're the token female or is their cosplay just being admired because of how much skin they're showing and things like that. And that's what Gamergate has brought back, this rampant sexism. Yeah, and as a woman, some of the tweets that were sent, I would not want to be walking into that building. Some of them were really horrifying and, and, and quite scary, I think. Yeah, Fiona, I agree with the sentiment that something like doxing should be made illegal. Um, I guess in a world where that's too complicated at the moment or it's just far too difficult to enforce, there's kind of a wonderful power in the uh, boycott, I think, because it's like, well, if we don't have laws there and maybe we don't want them for certain reasons as well, then the boycott is a really great way of a community getting together and going bugger off. Mm. And, and that's what I like about this. We're not talking about someone being banned. We're not talking about revoking a visa. We're not saying that he can't say what he's saying. It's a community coming together and saying, we're not interested in being there if he is. Which is interesting because we have seen cases like this crop up 
quite a few times. Uh, just last year, the Julian Blunk, um, the guy from America who was, oh, I want to say that. The dating <laughs> expert. Yeah, he's a dating expert who um, was running dating workshops, educating men how to pick up. Um, Sometimes literally, as far as I could tell. Mm, he was teaching women how, oh, no, he was teaching how to get a woman to stop last-minute resistance during sex. And there were also pictures of him choking women. Oh, video as well. Mm. So then, again, there was a petition that started to um, to stop, to cancel his visa from coming into the country, which was successful. Uh, so it's interesting that these sort of scenarios are cropping up again and again and, you know, the community is uniting and, you know, going to change.org or community run and kind of campaigning for petitions to start and they are seeing success. I think there's a really important distinction to draw between a community run petition uh, and government censorship. So Mm. people often go, but you say you support free speech and yet you're doing this petition. And it's like, well, sure, that's kind of a petition is also using my free speech. It's not, I'm not saying he can never say anything ever. I'm just giving my rebuttal. Mm. That's all a petition is to me. It's a rebuttal. It's not shutting something down. And if it's forceful enough, it might shut them down. But it's not saying that you may not ever speak ever again. Look, I'll be really interested to see how this comes out. I'm friends with a couple of people who organised Supernova. Um, they were not ready for just how much this would take off in terms of how much fan anger there would be. They knew there'd be a certain level of it. I think, you know, when you are trying to book people for shows like this, to a certain degree, it's it's disappointing. But people would have said, oh, we're getting Adam Baldwin from Firefly. People love Firefly. Not, oh, we're getting Adam Baldwin, the famous gamergator who everyone's really angry about. Is mm. there any value in uh, booking someone like that who they know will cause a sensation and then pull him if they have to? Am I being too cynical? Or I don't think it's that. I think the money involved would be more of an issue than anything else. I don't think this would be a um, PR and marketing stunt in any way, shape or form. Now, in uh, Adam Baldwin's defence, uh, uh, you know, I just raised the... Um the example of Julian Blunk and his visa being revoked. Uh, Julian Blunk actually goes out and and kind of he his presentations are this kind of sexist crap about how to pick up women and you know and essentially and like a training course yeah, yeah. and assault women. Um, whereas Adam he own he has his personal Twitter account and mm. he you know start started Gamergate and all these sorts of things, but he's not coming to Supernova to talk about that. So is that there is there a difference? Look, there is definitely a difference. Um, He's not coming to Supernova to talk Gamergate. Obviously, they don't want anyone to do that. No one wants anyone to do that. But that doesn't mean it won't come up. That doesn't Mm. mean he's still not the face of it. There are issues at stake here. As I said, no way should he not be allowed to come. But this is the great thing about a fan kind of driven community is they have the right to say, well, let's not go if he is. Mm. You're listening to The Vultures Nest. We're talking freedom of speech. I want to just throw in one more example uh, which is kind of not to do with political correctness or sexism or anything like that. So uh, in January, well, the 6th of January, um, a peti- another petition was started, a community-run petition, uh, against American osteopath Sherry Tenpenny, who, uh, interesting name, she planned to tour Australia with an event called Birth, Baby and Beyond. And she is... Uh, she believes vaccines cause autism, asthma, ADHD and autoimmune disorders. So she's obviously anti-vaccine. Uh, and since, you know, her um, her 
uh, talks were advertised, there have been two petitions organised. One, calling on venue owners to cancel her, cancel the events, and two, um, calling on Immigration Minister Peter Dutton to deny uh, her visa to come and speak in Australia. You know, and a, a different one to the Gamergate scenario, mm, yeah. given that it's a, a medical scenario. Um, what do you reckon, Jen? I uh, think that with things like this, there is probably a responsibility if someone is preaching things that are dangerous and proven detrimental. I think it's similar to Julian in the sense that he was preaching violence towards women and people had to kind of step in and go, yeah, you can't be violent. She's preaching something which has been proven. It's total, it's it's rubbish, you know. I know there are a few venues that are still, they still said they will hold her um seminars and one of them I think it was in Queensland had said that they'd already received bomb threats and things so it's insane the response these things pick up oh that's great yeah anti-vaxxing's bad so we're going to bomb them that's a fantastic way of dealing with it well done people it's total madness but then I think that I I mean it is such a fine line of she is allowed to say what she wants to say people are allowed to hear it if they believe her that's totally fine you know it's the same as someone can create a religion tomorrow and they can have followers but the other side is it's really dangerous Jane, I think you make a really good point, and I've just earlier defended the power of the boycott. But in this case, um, I think, yes, petition the the venues to not host it, perhaps, but, like, she's allowed a goddamn visa. Uh, and also the the beauty of the anti-vaxxer movement is that if you shut something like that down, it is just absolute fodder to their idea that everything is a conspiracy mm. and the that the pharma companies hats. are shutting down the venues mm. and the pharma companies are paying these people to boycott. You know, you're only going to fan the flame in that case. And it's, you know, I, I it's there's a, a wonderful saying. Some people, you know, it's just like the dog poo. You walk in on your shoes on the carpet and you've got to just, just let it go sometimes. I think in some cases... <laughs> sure you actually go back and clean it up. I don't know if that analogy works at all. Like, I think we can scrub anti-vaxxers out of the country. It is okay. My point is sometimes you give people more uh, profile and more credit than they're due if you if you go down that path. And with these guys, they just they just love it. Like a bomb threat. Yeah, that makes us all look really good. Oh, we're enlightenment yeah. philosophy. We believe in science. <laughs> and we're going to bomb you. <laughs> and, and then the poor guy who runs the RSL, which, you know, was spent... Oh, so space- the anti-vaxxing was going to be at an RE. <laughs> no, That's I'm, amazing. I love it. I'm just making that up. Oh, but, Trev. <laughs> but, you know, that poor guy, he has to worry about his venue and... The, mm. Yeah. Um, there are all sorts of weird health ailments, um, you know, and we can't kind of run around stopping them from being publicised. But at the same time, you know, by not vaccinating, you are putting other people at risk. So, that you know, there's... It, bad science in this respect is a little more than just climate denying. That You are actually having a, an impact on people directly yeah. by telling them not to vaccinate their children if they listen to you. That's mm-hmm. why I feel like it's a bit different. Because it is really, it is really de- detrimental. It's... Who knows? It's a tricky one, freedom of speech. You're listening to The Vulture's Nest on 2SER. Why is drinking alcohol in the morning such a cultural no-no? That's up next. But first, here's a Bell and Sebastian, The Book of You.
This is the Vulture's Nest on 2SER. Why is drinking alcohol in the morning such a no-no? Uh, what do you reckon, Nick? Look, uh, <laughs> we kind of live in a time and place where taboos are few and those that... Re- <clears throat> Those that remain find themselves firmly in the crosshairs of the enlightened masses, seeking to expand our shared cultural and ideological realms. Or so we like to think. (laughs) In fact, Australia harbours one major cultural taboo that has reached almost sacred cow status. I'm, of course, talking about morning drinking. As we sail into a long weekend and come Monday begin firing up the barbecue for our national day of pretending that everything's A-OK and acting like we've never even heard terms such as institutional racism and class war, many people will be tempted to visit the fridge and crack a cold one well before the sun hits the proverbial yard arm. But the tragedy is that most people won't succumb to that temptation, holding off under the Damoclesian sword of disapproving looks from friends and family. But why? What is so bloody inherently bad about drinking alcohol in the morning? The only exceptions we make are for Bloody Marys and mimosas, both of which have passed some unseen test that renders them fit for brunching. But even then, the booze itself, be it vodka or champagne in those examples, needs to be hidden by fruit juices and spices, lest the taste of an undiluted drink send people into a frenzy of pure id. If you were, for example, to finish up an order for scrambled eggs, halloumi and a side of bacon with, oh, and a dry martini, Tanqueray gin by preference, your cafe staff would either assume you were attempting to be funny or stare at you like you'd suggested a date with some light Satanism and mild goat slaughter as the main event. Ask for someone to Irish up your coffee on the way to work with a slug of whiskey and you may as well have just admitted to hiding a bottle of nails floating in liquid on a ferry. Even if all you want is a beer, one of the most innocuous of fermentation's gifts to the world, you'll have to travel far and wide to have it served to you before the noon bell strikes. Indeed, it is a fact universally acknowledged that anyone in want of a morning beer must find themselves in the dimmest and darkest shithole in the area. Not for them, the sun-dappled courtyard with spreading frangipani trees. No, such morning-drinking scum must sit in nigh-darkness with the smell of last night's vomit still wafting on the air. And it wasn't always this way. In times gone when water supplies were slightly more laissez-faire, booze was the safer bet. Small small beer was drunk at breakfast, as was watered wine and even darker spirits. In 1756, the British Navy passed into regulation the ruling that a sailor would be given 500 mils of rum, mixed with a litre of water, and issued in two servings, one for breakfast. So why in a world where a wine or two at lunch would narry arch a brow in consternation does the concept of a breakfast tinny spark such dread? Are we somehow like unto Mogwai, bound by temporal strictures regarding our conspicuous consumption, lest we burst gremlin-like into rampaging beasts? Or is the idea that people just somehow can't function after a drink, in which case I say look to the Navy, to the labourer of the 1800s, and to the proud university students chanting peas get degrees? I call bullshit on this new wave of puritanism (laughs) and I charge everyone listening to join me. At 11am as soon as we're over, step to the fridge, haul out your beverage of choice and toast the coming afternoon. However, I must say that looking at the faces around me maybe (laughs) I'm on my own here. Jen, feel like a drink? (laughs) I, well, okay. Me personally, I'm a lightweight, so if I have a drink like a beer now, I'm drunk, which kind of puts out the rest of the day if you want to get anything done. So you done. can't even have one at lunch? Like you wouldn't have a wine at lunch? Oh, I'd have a wine at lunch, but in all, like I seriously would be affected as well. Like not smashed, but I would definitely be a lot chipper, more chipper than normal. I think, um, you know, it's true what you're saying. If I do see people at the pub having a jug 
beer, you sort of start thinking, oh, maybe they have a problem or something, <laughs> unless there's a nice excuse like Australia Day or there's a nice public holiday happening. Or they're wearing a fluoro vest. <laughs> I think there is the assumption that they're going to drink for the rest of the day. Yeah. Uh, why? And that's what I don't get. Like, if you yep. literally, if you're at a work lunch and you say, I'll grab a glass of white wine, no one thinks, oh, someone's settling in for a session. We'll be pushing him back to the office in a wheelbarrow. Why is the morning that? We're all conditioned to think like that. It's If you have one wine at dinner, that's mm. kind of considered normal. But yeah, if you have a... But if you're going to have a jug, when you see someone, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit different because that isn't a beer. That's multiple beers. And then you, you then I think you can safely assume that person is settling in for the day. As well, it's like an automatic... Like a wine with lunch. People have wine with lunch all the time. It's fine. But if you're having... You know, there's jokes about people having the long lunch and you come back to work and you can't do anything after a bottle of... Most people can't do anything. So it sort of feeds into like, well, they're drinking because their day is done now, so they're not doing anything else. So I get all of that, but I'm not talking about slamming it. I'm talking about just having a drink. Nick, can I just say thank you for that amazing Shakespearean rant? <laughs> and and uh, just speaking about free speech and boycotts earlier, I, I, I praise you for exercising your free speech and now look forward to a boycott uh, against Nick for encouraging morning drinking <laughs> on radio. Uncool. I was going to bring a bottle of champagne in but there were signs everywhere saying no alcohol. No, it is a completely arbitrary uh, custom. And as you say, that the, the uh, Bloody Mary is okay. What? Because it's got tomato juice in it. That's no worries. Exactly. Um, I went to Hobart last weekend and we went over to Mona and we paid the extra money to get the posh section of the ferry. And <laughs> it is an amazing ferry. It's a beautiful, state-of-the-art, uh, high-speed ferry done in sort of military camouflage type of thing. It's amazing. You can't recognise it on the water. But you walk on, sit down, 9.30 a.m., glass of champagne. And you've got a long day of art ahead of you. You start it with a champagne and it is a marvellous way to start the day. I think maybe with, you know, operating heavy machinery, don't have two (laughs) glasses of champagne. But certainly, you know, admin job or... Look, after a lot of testing, I've discovered that I can adequately (laughs) go to the gym after three drinks. And I'm still fine. So why couldn't I have those three drinks in the morning and still get a day's work done? Well, the gym is a little different to editing a magazine, surely. And driving the car. Well, I don't have a license, so (laughs) I'm fine. You're fine. (laughs) But I think the other thing is uh, we judge people. We um, It's it's almost our herb on this show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) We haven't got anything else to talk about. Um, We judge people. We look at them and we go, yeah, you're settling in for the whole day. Or you got absolutely shit-faced the night before and... Mm. Hair of the dog. Hair of the dog. I'm just going to really quickly recommend the best hair of the dog. Half a schooner of V8 juice topped with beer. Delicious. Oh, I had that on Christmas Day. I had a Bloody Mary with VP in it. It was really tasty. Uh, Fee, hair of the dog. Can I tell you guys a little fact just to finish your Saturday morning? (laughs) So I I learned uh, where hair of the dog stemmed from. And uh, if you get bitten by a rabid dog or you have been bitten by a rabid dog, there was the belief that uh, you take some dog hair and oh. you insert it into the wound and then that will prevent anything uh, evil from happening. Wonderful. So, of course it will. Canine standard as the universal panacea. Yeah, exactly. We're now getting our second boycott for terrible health advice. <laughs> You're listening to The Vulture's Nest on 2SER. Stay tuned because up next is so hot right now. 